Trailblazers journey. Today we have joining us Sophia Khalid, founder of Girls Group Holiday. We are going to be discussing some really, really interesting topics, including going from feeling like an ugly duckling to blossoming into a swan, growing up as a third culture kid in the UK. We're going to be discussing Sophia's time at the UN and also how Tom Cruise felt like a misfit growing up. So guys, relax, grab yourself a cuppa because you're in for a really, really interesting episode. Welcome, Sophia. Welcome to the Trailblazers Journey podcast. Hi, Saima. I'm really, really excited to have you here. Um, and I just want to start by asking you to introduce yourself and what you do and what you're about. Yep. So I'm Sophia. I call myself, well, I used to call myself an ugly duckling. And as we go further into the conversation, you'll hear more about my story. Um, now I would say that I've transitioned into a swan. And I think this is quite a common, uh, perhaps, identity crisis that other women may face so that's what I'm here to talk about today um, and also traveling um, traveling changed my life so I'm very um, big on travel and I founded something called girls group holiday um, which is groups of girls traveling together with a deeper meaning of building connections and friendships and also confidence in women amazing amazing so I came across your story recently and uh, without giving too much away, um, I was absolutely fascinated by some of the things that you've uh, been doing and are doing. And hopefully we're going to elaborate on those later. So um, let's go back to um, the ugly duckling yeah. so, and you growing up. So um, share, share what that sort of how that came about and why you started feeling like that. Yeah, so I actually can't remember a time when I was younger that I felt good about myself. I would say that most of my childhood, teenage years, and even early 20s, I always felt very different. Like, I really stood out. Um, one of the obvious differences was I was the only brown girl in my primary school class, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that did have quite a big impact on me. I always just felt very different. And then high school again, um, I just felt like I didn't fit in any of the circles. I didn't fit in with, um, for example, some of my white English friends. And then I didn't fit in with the Asian girls either. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just felt very different. I had big, wild, curly hair that didn't really go with anyone. Like I just felt like I was really out of place and I just always felt like the odd one out. So, um, where did that stem from that sort of identity sort of crisis and not have it not you know knowing what your place is where do you think that stems from um I think it just stemmed from just not feeling comfortable with who I was I was always quite ashamed and almost I feel like I was hiding who I was so I'm Asian from a Kashmiri background and I absolutely now I hate to say it but I hated that I hated that I was so different. I just wanted to fit in with everybody. Um, so it was just a, just a case of looking different and feeling different. And it just, I don't know, it just felt so emphasized to me. 
So for people who don't know what um, a Kashmiri background looks like and what that entails, describe that and describe why you felt ashamed of it. Okay, I would say there were things like dressing and things, Mm -hmm. but we didn't used to, um, like our dressing was very Western as well. We didn't dress so culturally. Yeah. Um, I would say, for example, when summer, one example I'll give you actually is when summer came round. I don't know if you remember like the gingham dresses. Yes. And then we would wear them, but we would wear them with tights. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so we used to look so out of place. Yeah. Like me and my sister. Um, so yeah, that's one thing I used to hate. Yes. And I felt like back then I remember a teacher would always comment. Like now I think it would be quite like I don't know were not right for him to comment but he'd make comments about oh like look at all you girls have got your legs out it's summer you know like these kind of comments yeah and I just think oh I'm not one of them I wish I was one do you know what I mean yeah yeah sometimes you like I'll see a nice skirt or something and I think that you know like just the midi one and I think that will look really nice but then I think but not with leggings underneath like (laughs) how I would wear it yeah yeah you've got to try to make it work <laughs> yeah so um so you grew up I assume you were British born uh born in the UK yeah yeah so you're from a Kashmiri background and um obviously in a western sort of um society yeah. um so you've explained how the impact of sort of the you know not fitting in in the west would you say that there were you were then not fitting in in your eastern sort of yeah i would say so yeah so yeah explain that so i would say i was from with school i was from a different part of town yeah so i didn't know a lot of the other um asian people yeah didn't like mingle I never went to mosque for example my mum used to teach me at home so I think mosque is where a lot of friendships were made as well at an early age yeah Um, I was taught me and my sister were taught from home um and then another thing I think that has had an impact is that my mum was born in the UK as well okay she's from she's the same background but she was born in the UK so we spoke English at home because my dad was at work so we lost the language as well so I think right. that's another thing that took me away from that okay. cultural distance you from the yeah. culture. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Mm. Now that's one. Now that's one of my biggest regrets is losing the language. Really? Yeah. Like if I could go back, I'd learn the language. And so do you, you know, because identity, um, there's many sort of different viewpoints on identity because often people say oh, they're just labels and at the end of the day, we're human beings. But certainly from my point of view, identity has an impact on you and your mental health as well. Because when you feel um, like you don't belong, because you're a bit of a contrast of lots of different cultures, um, you do, it's quite isolating and it's quite lonely. Um, Would you say, would you agree with that? Yeah, so I do think, so I don't think now that I've grown up, I would say that, I don't think the identity label matters as much as I used to think it did. Yeah. And I think it all, I think it boils more down to belonging. 
Yes. So it's that sense of feeling like you belong somewhere. Yeah. So within a group of people, or even if it's just a group of friends, yeah. You know, if you just feel like you you belong, you're a member of something, and that gives you an intrinsic value. Absolutely. So, uh, so if someone, um, a, a, the younger Sophia, uh, yeah. what would you say to her now? So, you know, when she did feel alone and a bit lost and in the world, um, what would you say? Yeah, what would you say? So now I would say to her, thank God for all the things <laughs> that were so unique about you. Yes. Like, why did you want to be like everybody else? Wow. That you, there's no need to want to be like everyone else. Absolutely and, amazing. Like everyone is an individual. And I think if everyone was like everybody else, what yeah. a boring place it would be. Yeah. And also I see now, I've, I've noticed that when you look back at some of the, you know, when you were younger and there was all these kids at school and you were like, wow, you wanted to be like them and they were the popular ones. Yeah. And then there were other kids that were not so popular, like myself, I would say I wasn't very popular. I was kind of invisible yeah I did have my little quirks yes so you see that a lot of these kids do have their quirks but they're maybe they're not very popular and you, yeah you know what I mean um and when you look you fast forward to the future they're the ones that are actually doing things and making an impact I would say and I don't just mean myself but I mean other people like I look around and I think wow like at school like we were like the underdogs <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so what do you think it was uh amongst the sort of unpopular kids that then led to them sort of being more like trailblazers you know yeah, I think it, it is that underdog kind of mentality <laughs> yeah. so it's, you know just always work because I would say I worked twice as hard as perhaps other people did I was constantly just working yeah um and pushing myself and I think that's what it is so it's us wanting to make a difference and prove people wrong yeah and not just people but prove it to ourselves absolutely so we are I think the bigger thing is actually proving it to ourselves that we are worth something oh right so it sort of goes back to self-worth and yeah um, yeah yeah I would agree with that yeah definitely so what was the turning point then what at what point did you go from sort of feeling you know um having low self-worth and low self-esteem and little confidence to then, like you say, blossoming into a swan. So, yes. So the, I would say the turning point for me was going to China. I did an, I applied to do an internship in China Yeah. and I got selected and I didn't think I'd get selected firstly, you know, when you just do an application and you're just doing it for the sake of it. And then I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to go now. Yeah. Um, but I'm so glad I went, I was so scared. And how so old were you at this point? Um, 21. Right. Amazing. So, so I was so young. scared. Yeah. yeah so, I was really, I was petrified, but I was so excited. You know, but that mixed feeling when there's that adrenaline. Yeah. Um, I love that feeling. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so and that's I was, when you should do it when you have that feeling. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I do. And that just proved to me that I can go out on my own. I can do things. I can deal with anything. I can cope in difficult situations. And I am a lot probably smarter than I give myself credit for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how, uh, and how long were you in China? 
um, about three months. Three months. And so for, you know, an Asian girl, Kashmiri background, that's quite a big deal, 21 years of age to, you know, from as from what I know of the culture. And so how how was that in terms of like your family background and so it's like explaining family. Parents. Yeah. yeah. So so I I'm quite good at persuading my parents. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think I was kind of just like, I've got this um internship in China, I'm gonna go, it's gonna be really good for my career. Uh, my mum was a bit like, Oh my god, like do you have to? Like you're gonna be all alone. My dad was more like, Yeah, you should go for it. Amazing. Um, and then I remember telling, I was really scared to, yeah, I was really scared to tell my grandparents. Right. Um, and I remember I couldn't tell them until the day before I left for China. Really? And I went round and I told them and I was crying when I told them. And then I remember my granddad was just like, just go, just travel the world, see the world. Oh, wow. Enjoy it. Um, but my grandma's more of a worrier. So she was a bit more like, oh, yeah. don't go, like don't you can still cancel it and I was like no I'm going amazing and yeah I mean going to the other side of the world is not you know it's not something small at 21 years of age so yeah no it's fantastic and so um what did that trip do for you as a you know as a human being so um and a woman yeah I would say it just instilled massive amounts of confidence in me yeah. And I'd always think if I can, like when I came back from China, I actually split my life into two. I'd say like BC, which is before China and AC. Like <laughs> that's how much of an impact it had on me. Wow. Um, but I would say after China, I just completely changed the way that I look at the world and even the way that I look at myself. And I yeah. just thought if I can cope in that situation, struggling every single day, speak the language, yeah. being completely alone, you know, just in a situation where you're forced to make friends with strangers and yeah. forced to go out of your way to do things, yeah. uh, it's just, you grow massively. And because it, it's such a contrast, isn't it? You know, the, the yeah. language, the food, the culture is such yeah. a The workplace it's as well. Europe, it's not the States, it's, no. you know, so. Yeah, like working was, different as well so the um like the office environment was completely different to what I'm used to as well people were just like everyone was just so motivated in their work and the office would just be silent yeah like I was used to going into work having a bit of a gossip doing a bit of work (laughs) going to have a tea break with a bit more of a chat um but there it was just everyone's on their computers we don't there's no talking if someone wants to say something they'll send you an instant message Wow. That was so. And how and did I remember, you cope with those sorts of cultural differences? So I remember a lot of the time I was sitting at my desk just laughing. Really? <laughs> also, you just saw the humor. Like, you just. Yeah, I just thought it was really funny. When I remember receiving my first ever instant message from a girl who was sitting opposite me, yeah. she could have just said it to my face. She said, like, Hi, how are you? Yeah. And she could have just like looked over her screen and said, like, Hi, how are you doing today? And she sent me a message and I was like, so I looked over and then I looked at my screen and I was like, did she send that to me by accident? <laughs> but she didn't. Yeah. That just normal. That's just how the, uh, the office culture was. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. So then what happened post China then? 
So post-China, I came home and realized that traveling was my passion. Yeah. I always wanted to travel. Um, we weren't a family that went on holidays or anything. My parents, like my mom yeah. especially, loves to be at home. Right. It's like she's very like in the house kind of person, home bird. Yeah. Um, so we never went away anywhere. Right. Um, and I'd always have my head in a book and I was always reading about different places and that really motivated me to want to travel. And then after China, that just like instilled the bug of traveling even more into me. Um, and then I was just looking for the next place to go. Right. So, so, um, so you got a thirst for sort of, yeah, definitely. And opening up your sort of, you know, eyes to it basically. Yeah. But what I'm really interested is, um, the next step in your career. Yeah. So at the same time, so when I came back from China, I was also, um, so I'd studied law as right. a legal practice course as well. Yeah. Um, and after China, I actually went back to university and I did a master's in human rights. Right. That was an area that I was interested in. Yeah. And at the same time, I um, wanted to do something more um, active in human rights. Right. So I applied to be a human rights ambassador. Wow. And then I was selected to represent the UK. Um, and I was quite shocked because I was selected to represent the UK and I had to go to Brussels and talk about some of the work that I'd done. Wow. So previously to that, I was a volunteer at the Citizens Advice Bureau. Okay. Um, and I was also on there. They had a youth forum. Right. So I think there were about 10 people within the UK in the youth forum. So I was one of them. Um, and then I spoke about some of that work um, during my uh, speech, my human rights speech. And um, yeah, and I spoke about some of the struggles I'd had. At that time, I was still actually struggling with the identity crisis. Right. Um, but I'd say it was, it was at that time I was transitioning into a okay. swan. And how was that received? So when Very you... well. Okay, so what, what to describe that? So we, so I went to Brussels and I met with, I think there must have been about 30 other human rights ambassadors from different countries around the world. Um, we were each representing our countries. Um, so just meeting them and interacting with them was amazing because I was learning about different countries, what other people were doing, other young people were doing. Right. Um, and then also... I had to actually stand up and give a speech to, I think it must have been about 300 people or something. Wow. But after that, I was like, wow, that's another thing that I've done that I never believed, never ever believed that I could ever do. Amazing. And I'd say it was, you know, like when you tick things off in your mind and you, you, there's a kind of a checklist in my mind and I think I've been to China, okay, I can, I've spoken to this many people. And I'd say every time I felt fearful that I can't do something, I'd remember those moments. Yeah. moments. And I'd think, oh, but I did that, so I can do this. That's so I powerful. Can. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. And so um, then from the, uh, so from the UN, you yep. went on to the House of Lords. 
Yeah, so I so I was in the US. So there was no basically there's nothing stopping you at this point, was there? No, I don't I still think black quite how the hell did that happen? Wow. So I did so I assisted at the UN in Geneva. Right. Um, on the committee on the elimination of racial discrimination. Yeah. Which was an absolutely amazing experience because that's everything I've ever read in the textbooks coming to life in front of my eyes. Yeah. Um I was I was um, watching governments, so we, there was there was six, I think, governments from different countries, and they were each representing what they're doing in their countries to eliminate racial discrimination. Wow! Um, at the same time, we That's were hearing another conversation. I know it was amazing. <laughs> I want to um, ask those questions around that. Not going to because otherwise we just, just yeah talk about yeah yeah yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was amazing amazing so just give us a you know a, an example of discrimination and yeah. how you sort of what are you looking for solutions and what what you know how does it work so what would happen was the government would give a so for example let's just say jamaica was one of the countries representing so their government would give um they'd give a presentation about what they're doing in their country what laws are in place and they'd actually give quite a sugar-coated version, I would say, because right. then you would have NGOs from the country that are actually doing groundwork to eliminate racial discrimination. So okay. they would give their view on what's going on, right? Um, which maybe was a bit of a truer account of things. Ah. So we would listen to them, and then um, then the government would be asked questions. So the NGOs said this, but what are you doing about it? And then they would then go back and then deliberate and then come back and do another presentation. So one of the problems that was um, highlighted for Jamaica was that although there's no racial discrimination, the discrimination comes from skin color. So it's skin color and then it's like class discrimination. Right. So the lighter skin that you have means that you're higher class. So you, you're from a higher social class. Right. So there'd be areas where only lighter skinned people could hang out for example or they could restaurants where only they can afford to go really yeah so I've known of this but not to that extent yeah so there were they were talking about things like skin bleaching as well which is quite mm. a common thing there well um, not only in Jamaica no, de no that's in other parts of the world yeah. too yeah it because then it reminded me of you know just in the, within the asian culture South Asian culture. so skin bleaching is quite a, a big thing as well and yes i don't know where this comes from that the lighter skinned you are the more beautiful you are but there is an association there that we really need to eradicate because it's it's not a good thing no I remember when I um I went to Pakistan in 2014 and I um had run out of moisturizer and um basically I couldn't find any moisturizer that didn't have bleach in it really and, yeah and we're not talking you know we're talking the big brands um you can get all the big brands but none of them didn't have bleach in it it was ridiculous like, I just shocking. I was shocked absolutely shocked there were shelves full of moisturizer oh god yes really absolutely bad. absolutely crazy so one of the things that I'm really interested in hearing about is your Tom Cruise experience <laughs> yeah <laughs> so 
Yeah, let's hear about that then. That was something I was not expecting to happen. I'm not, a, a, at that time, I wasn't a fan of Tom Cruise. Now I'm the biggest fan ever. <laughs> As you do, yeah. yeah. I think I'd only actually seen one of his movies. Um, which was War of the Worlds, so it wasn't even one of the Mission Impossible ones. I've still not seen Mission Impossible. What, you haven't seen um, Cocktail? And I haven't. Oh, oh wait, no, I watched Cocktail later. <laughs> Did you catch up? After, yeah. Yeah. So I was at a human rights event. Yeah. I was invited by, um, to the host, she also invited Tom Cruise, but I had no idea. Right. Um, I really had no idea. So she invited me to attend earlier as a VIP. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll be there. And I remember going there and thinking there was, I think there was about 20 people in the room and I was just, I don't know, I felt quite out of place because I, I think I was the youngest one there as well. And the others were a lot older. Yeah. Um, and there was just a massive buffet. And she came over to me and she was like, have you seen the surprise? And I was thinking she meant the food. So I was like, yeah, wow, it's amazing. She had all these big, like, scones with loads of cream and jam on. And I was like, wow, like, I love it. And then she was like, no, not that. And then she said, turn around. So I I turned around and, like, literally five steps away from me was Tom Cruise. And I was just like, whoa. And I felt like I was going to faint, even though I'm not a fan. (laughs) I don't know what happened to me. And then she said to me, get ready because you're going to speak to him. And I was like, what? And I said, what the hell do I say to Tom Cruise? Yeah. I wouldn't know what to say because I just get, when I get nervous, I either talk too much or I just become really quiet. Yeah. One or the other. And then she was like, just go and just say hi and tell him what you do. And I was like, why would I tell him what I do? Like, he doesn't care. Do you know what I mean? You just think. And then, and then she said, like, then it was my turn to go up. So she just said, like, go on. And then I didn't know what to do. My legs were shaking. I didn't know what to do. And I just said, hi, Tom, in, like, the most stupidest voice ever. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, hi, Sophia. How are you? I heard that you were at the UN this summer. And I was just like, what? So he'd been building on who I was, wow. which was just wow. Yeah. And I just thought, like, from being such a nobody – to like Tom Cruise like saying your name is just such a contrast and then we yeah and then we spoke for a couple of minutes think like we spoke one-to-one for like it must have been like six or seven minutes about what so I was telling him about some of the human rights work I've done representing the UK and then he was telling me about some of the stuff that he does and I told him about my identity crisis and never fitting in at school (laughs) yeah and then he told me that he felt the same like he never fitted in and I was so shocked and I was like why didn't you fit in you're like Tom Cruise and then he was like no like I was always a new kid so he said that his family would always move house um so he was always moving schools and starting a new school so he was always the new kid and he was always getting picked on so yeah it was it was so funny oh wow so you had a common sort of um we common did. ground yeah so yeah and I really liked when he was speaking he was like touching his heart which was really nice you know when some people just yeah that's lovely yeah so it was really nice he seemed very genuine like a really nice guy so from from being star struck to then um sort of 
being able to conduct a what seven minute conversation how did you feel at the end about yourself I was just like wow like I think I was just pinching myself the whole time after I still did do it, today did it empower you in any way to think that actually I'm pretty I'm pretty awesome <laughs> I think it did like it's you know I told you about those moments that I'd have when kind of like an inventory of things that have happened and then you just think this has happened so it means I can do anything yes you know what I mean so yeah. I did actually use I think only some of my friends know this but I used to I used to use Tom Cruise as like an alter ego <laughs> when I have to go on stage to like speak or do something or something like that in my mind I'd be like okay I can do this come on like and I'd think back to Tom Cruise and I'd just use that as a something to push me forward wow that's that's brilliant yeah it's that. weird that's <laughs> weird but effective really but effective. now it's so weird like when I walk around like I'll see him everywhere or I'll see a billboard and I'm like oh there's my friend Tom <laughs> or like just yeah, like there's references to him everywhere like just yesterday I was reading a book and someone mentioned Tom Cruise or like we're watching something and someone will say Tom Cruise or it's just I feel like he's everywhere so he's in your consciousness now he is yeah you can't get him get rid of him <laughs> out your consciousness <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um tell me about the work that you've done with young people in schools yeah so I went back to some of so I went back to my old primary school yeah and then I went around to some of the other schools in my local community and I did workshops on human rights education right um, educating young people on the universal declaration of human rights amazing so there are 30 articles in the declaration but we focused on four um which is that you are born free and equal mm -hmm. um don't discriminate um freedom to express yourself and also um that we all have a responsibility so if we do see any injustice um happening we have a responsibility to speak up for it I wished that someone had done that when I was at school. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just you know, just basic things like we're all born free and equal. Yeah. You know, just yeah. knowing things like that. And um, during my workshops, I tried to make it really fun and engaging. So we did role plays and um, little activities and things, just so because human rights for young people is quite a big concept. I don't think it. It we played it to ease kids into it we played a game where um I had a set of playing cards and I put a playing card on every student's um forehead mm -hmm. so students that were say a number 10 they were classed as high value people and then students that had a number two on their forehead for example were classed as low value people um and then I would say to the students mingle with each other now but you can only make friends with high value people, but they wouldn't know what value they had on their forehead. So if they saw a, another student with a 10 on their forehead, they'd want to be friends with them. Okay. So what you'd see is um, like a gang of, for example, students with 10s or 9s or 8s, and then you'd see like the 2s and 3s together. Right. So it's just a way to show kids that people might be different or people might see people as different but we shouldn't and it's just so it's just to put them in the shoes of someone who might be feeling like that okay that's that's really 
Interesting, really interesting. Um, so what was the impact of the work that you did with the kids? What was the feedback? Everyone really enjoyed it. The teachers were there as well. They, were, they said that it was really um, insightful. And I think just for the kids to see, um, just to, to see how this works in, because some kids may not understand it. And by doing a game like this, I think it just, it shows them context yeah 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 exactly absolutely um no that's absolutely incredible and i absolutely agree with you in the sense that i just think it's because these are these are life lessons you know and um you know i think it's really important um for children not to just learn about how to respect each other but how to respect themselves as well and yeah, value definitely and yeah. value themselves and so i think that you know uh being give, being given the freedom to express yourself and that's absolutely amazing especially those children who are a bit quirky who maybe do feel like outsiders i think yeah really 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 great so and to have that at such a young age to have that awareness and to have that knowledge because i wouldn't even know what would have known what human rights were when i would you know yeah anything like that or the united nations or anything like that so yeah incredible so that brings us to the present uh and um you know i just find your life is so fascinating and you know like you you just keep it really interesting and sort of very lively so tell us about what you're doing right now yep so now I started so back this was actually back in 2016 I started something called girls group holiday yes so initially it was just supposed to be the one holiday because people were asking me all the time um, like you're always going away like we want to come as well, but we're too scared. So I put a pilot trip out on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Um, and I said that I'm doing a trip to Athens in Greece. Yeah. If anyone wants to join me, the trip's going to be in December. So let me know. And I actually had six, you know, 15 people join me on that trip. No. So 15 of us all together. Amazing. Yeah, and it was absolutely amazing. And that was just supposed to be a one-off. But then after that, people were asking me again. Um, And then I did another one. So I was working full-time at the time as well, and I was fitting trips in where I could. So I was doing two a year. Um, Last year, I actually got married, and I relocated. So I now live in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Um, So I had to leave my job. I moved to Belfast. And then I thought that it's now or never that I can give Girls Group Holiday a bigger, like, just go for it and see how far I can take it. Um, so this year, I think I've done about nine trips. That's a lot, considering what we're in August. Yeah. yeah. So I've done quite a lot of trips this year. Um, I've got another one coming up in two weeks. I've just come back from one last week. Um, so yeah, I'm meeting so many amazing women from all around the UK, of getting to explore new countries with them and just getting to hear their stories. That's yes. the thing for me. Yeah, I just yeah. I love get, I love meeting the women. I love hearing their stories. I love just creating friendships and memories with them. Incredible. And so it's just great for women who, you know, want to travel but maybe don't have anyone to travel with. Yeah. 
don't want to travel alone, um, knowing that you've got that safety net of having other women, um, you know, so you're not missing out on life and you're being able to do it. But, you know, with the safety of having other people around you is incredible. I love it. Um, so Sophia, that was absolutely amazing. I'm really, really inspired actually. So tell everyone where and how you can be contacted. Yep. So people um, want to join your trips. Yep. So for my trips, I have a website, which is www.girlsgroupholiday.co.uk. Yes. Um, so check that out. My email address is info at girlsgroupholiday.co.uk. And I'm also quite active on my Instagram page, yes. which is Sophie underscore KD and Sophie is spelled S-O-P-H-I underscore KD. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Thank, uh, you. thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being so honest. Um, I'm sure a lot of um, young people and old people are going to be very, very yeah. inspired by your story. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you for having me. And there we have it. Our first episode on the podcast, Trailblazers Journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe. And to keep up to date with all our forthcoming ventures, please follow our page, The Trailblazers Journey, on Instagram. Until next time, guys, thank you for listening.